Welcome to Total Teen Health and Wellness, the podcast for parents of teenagers to learn more about how medical and mental health issues are affecting their teen children. This is Dr. Shauna Garza, and I'm an adolescent medicine physician, providing essential education and helpful guidance to parents of teens and young adults. This podcast encourages parents to empower their teen children to live healthy and balanced lives. Welcome back to Total Teen Health and Wellness. This is Dr. Garza, your host. Today for episode number 12, we're going to continue talking about eating disorders and focus on atypical anorexia. I mentioned in episode 10, atypical anorexia as a type of eating disorder when I reviewed all of the different types and how we treat those conditions. And where atypical anorexia sets itself apart is that often patients are dealing with issues related to an eating disorder, but others are not aware. These patients are often at normal weight. Sometimes they could even be at above average weight for their height. So parents aren't aware that they are having disordered thinking about their body and food and even eating in a disordered way. Pediatricians and other doctors who see patients regularly may not note any kind of weight loss or change in weight, and so it doesn't become apparent to them that these other issues are going on. And so that's why I want to go over it and help parents really be able to see what's truly going on with their children and get them the help that they need. So what atypical anorexia is, is really the patients have the same type of restrictive behaviors, meaning that they are restricting food intake And that could be through skipping meals, counting calories, following extreme diets, and they can have intense fear of gaining weight or becoming fat in their eyes. They have a very disturbed body image, meaning that they are hypercritical of their body. They do a lot of body checking. Maybe they're hyper-focused on certain areas of their body they don't like, or they have a distorted image that they feel like they are overweight or see themselves as fat when they are within normal range or a normal range of what's expected for their body. So the thoughts that go into patients or how they think about themselves in food really aligns with typical anorexia. Most patients, if you talk to them or just people in the community, if you ask them, what eating disorders do you know about, they will mention anorexia. And that's one that's been in the news with celebrities that have dealt with that, or maybe they've had people they are aware of that have dealt with weight loss and being extremely underweight. Those patients have more outward signs of what's going on and how they're thinking about things, whereas patients with atypical anorexia will have normal weight, and so they don't even think of themselves maybe as having an eating disorder. Anorexics, again, are defined by having low weight as part of that diagnosis. That's a clinical diagnosis. But patients with atypical anorexia may have a normal weight. 
Having an extreme fear of gaining weight can lead patients to eat in very disordered ways. Patients may not want to eat in front of others, where they'll avoid eating at lunch at school, for example, because of extreme embarrassment or fear of judgment of eating in front of others. They may not eat with their families. They may not attend social events that involve food or different social functions that involve food for fear, eating in front of others. Patients often will have a real fear of judgment about their bodies where they won't wear certain clothes, they won't wear swimsuits, they won't show their body in any way that they feel can open them up for judgment from others. By definition, these patients have very low body acceptance. They want their bodies to be different. They see their bodies as unlikable, and they will take extreme measures to try to change their bodies. They may follow very extreme diets where they're eating extremely low calories per day or following bad diets as far as cutting out certain foods. We hear this a lot right now with keto diet and low-carb diets where patients want to avoid sugars or they only want to eat whole foods. They may become vegan for weight loss reasons. So all of these types of behaviors that can be disruptive and can interfere with their day-to-day functioning are considered disordered. Again, because these patients don't necessarily have a low weight, they may not even realize that they are struggling with an eating disorder. Their parents don't see it, their friends and people in their community don't see it, And some of those behaviors may even be normalized in their group. I have heard of this through some high schoolers that have told me that their friend group all diet together or do weight loss challenges together or participate in different online communities around diet and weight loss. So they don't think of it as abnormal or that it's not healthy for them. Many patients will think, I'm not really sick enough to have an eating disorder because my weight is normal and I'm still eating. But we know that atypical anorexia can cause many of the same medical complications that we see in, quote, typical anorexia. Many of the same health consequences that I reviewed in my last episode Episode 11 on medical issues that arise from eating disorders can be seen in patients with atypical anorexia. We definitely see commonalities in how mental health is affected. Some of the mental health effects of eating disorders can be very severe and lead to suicidal thoughts and suicidal attempts. We know that anorexia and eating disorders in general are one of the deadliest mental health illnesses that we treat because of the risk of self-harm and suicide. And so these patients have many of the same struggles and issues even when their weight has not changed. 
So that is where it's so important for parents to open up these conversations and really try to see what's going on with how their children are feeling about themselves, how they feel about their bodies, how they are behaving around food, eating and exercise. I encourage parents to check in on their teens and ask direct questions about these issues or even casually bring up things you feel yourself or things you think about yourself and how that affects you to help open up those conversations. Parents are often the first people to identify concerns because parents are with their children a lot every day and throughout the years. I treat parents as expert on their children's lives in my practice. I always want to hear from patients and get their take on things and have them tell me what they're worried about and what they're feeling. But I also really value parents' input in these cases because many times the patient is not thinking about these issues in a rational way or not seeing them in more of an observed way, whereas parents can see what's going on from their perspective and understand that things are not healthy or not balanced and can be actually causing harm to their child. So again, in our office in adolescent medicine, especially at Girls to Women, Young Men's Health, we focus on the treatment of eating disorders. This is a big area of care that I provide in my practice, and we're here to help. We know that it can be overwhelming to know where to start, who to see. We see patients that are brought in by parents with just initial concerns until we can you know, do more of a diagnosis and evaluation. We work with many therapists and dietitians who are taking care of these patients. And we provide those services in our office as well. I have a dietitian who's wonderful, who helps guide patients through their meal plan and nutritional treatment, and then also several therapists who work with patients directly to work on issues of body acceptance and also work on ways of coping with their emotions in a healthy way. On a side note, just to mention, is we often think of eating disorders as a way of coping, that often it's not about the food or even body image in itself, but patients use eating, exercise, and body image focus as a way of coping with other emotional distress. We have seen that a lot over the past 18 months during the pandemic. We've seen a uptick, an increase in the cases of patients dealing with eating disorders, and particularly are seeing younger patients dealing with eating disorders and disordered eating behaviors. I see this from my clinical perspective as a way to exert control and as a way to manage anxiety. We know anxiety has been very high over the last year and a half, and for younger patients, this is a way for them to cope with that by having control over their body and the way they eat. But of course, that 
can slide into very disordered behaviors that affect their physical and mental health. And so we do think of it as an unhealthy way of coping and encourage patients to work with therapists to build healthy ways of coping. So I hope this was helpful. I'm going to continue this series on eating disorder issues. Stay tuned for next episode. And please share this with parents that you find that need help with getting help and knowing that really the first steps to get help are the most important steps in recovery. And we're here to help with that. Until next time. Thanks for listening today. If this episode helped you better understand the health of your teen and you're ready to learn more, please subscribe to hear future episodes of this podcast. Consider sharing it with other parents of teenagers. And remember, parents can help their teens live healthy and balanced lives. Thank you.